Okay, this is a test of the mic to see how we sound. Uh, <clears throat> Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> May the calendar be ringing. Happy holidays to you. Is that what the lyrics are? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs> you you don't know the song? I don't know the song. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> That's all. This is Couch and Coffee Table. I'm Michael Perry. I'm Heather Perry. And for this episode, we're going to be doing uh, the film Holiday Inn as far as the radio adaptation. But before we get to it, uh, we did want to have a little bit of a discussion concerning it because there are uh, some various things about the film and the radio adaptation that need to be addressed. Uh, spoilers ahead, so if you don't know anything about the film or anything at all other than the fact that this film has Bing Crosby in it and it's a Christmas film. It also has Fred Astaire and for the female leads we have Virginia Dale and Marjorie Reynolds. It was put out by Paramount Pictures and that's the overall consensus of it. Getting into it now uh, there are a couple of different elements of the story which are very questionable in this day and age. One of them being uh, there is part of the plot is there's a point whenever um, Bing Crosby's character is trying to, he's interested in a girl and he, a woman, and he needs to dis disguise her to keep her from being seen by someone who was a former partner and everything. And so Holiday Inn is a place where they're only open on the holidays, specific holidays. This particular time when he's hiding her happens to fall on Lincoln's birthday. And so he disguises her in blackface for a song, a musical number that they do called Abraham. And I want to, I was going to, and I am putting on a disclaimer a disclaimer for this because this particular thing does not translate well in this day and age. Definitely before NAACP, definitely before a lot of these different things. Uh, Is it before the NAACP? I, I kept thinking it was because mm -hmm. once the NAACP came in, definitely mm -hmm. a lot of different things changed up. Changed in the film industry yeah. as well. Because it was after they came in that you didn't see Song of the South released that often. It right. was released one more time in the 70s mm -hmm. whenever I was a kid. So I got to see Song of the South in the theater. In this day and age, I doubt very much that you would see right. that now. So in the film, the setup is uh, it's just plop and ir ir it's inescapable, really. Um, uh, the character Linda Mason is, is put in blackface and she's a uh, She's a pretty horrible caricature at the uh, in the film and uh, at the time this was filmed. Uh, you said 1946? Uh, 42, 42 was mm -hmm. when the film came out. Okay. 
So uh, the song itself, the song Abraham, is is pretty objectionable by today's standards. Um, it sets up uh, Abraham Lincoln as some sort of white savior figure for uh, the slave population at the time, and seems to suggest that any any person who is a descendant of slaves would would worship Abraham Lincoln in some capacity because of the Emancipation Proclamation. It is. It is awful. <laughs> the film adaptation has uh, a verse that is sung by Bing Crosby's housekeeper and her children uh, that is mercifully absent from the radio adaptation, but it's it's awful. And uh, <laughs> that's the first stopping point for Holiday Inn. Otherwise a pretty decent film. It's just some of this stuff that was included very casually in 1942 is absolutely inappropriate in 2021. And uh, we wanted to make special mention of it. It is, I think, still possible to enjoy films like this when you are, when you know it's coming and you, you can contextualize it a little better. But then again, um, I may have, I may feel differently if it were directed to me personally, if I was in the demographic that was being marginalized or, mocked i i would probably feel very differently so here's here's our trigger warning and uh, that's the first stopping point in this particular film did you want to talk about the other one uh yes there is a mm. second point that happens in the film uh when they are uh dealing with thanksgiving um and what you see is bing crosby's character jim is listening to a record in the film and He's got this big giant Thanksgiving meal and turkey and everything and all the fixings. Big, huge table. Nobody's there. And the scene next is his maid, Mammy, of all things. That's her name. Or Mamie. Or Mamie. It might be Mamie. Mm -hmm. It might be Mamie. I, I stand corrected. <clears throat> I don't. Close I, enough. I don't need any, there, there doesn't need to be as much gas on this fire already. I mean, it's <laughs> just, it's just there. Um, but they end up talking and she's telling him, look, you've been screwing up. You need to go and go to, because of situation, you need to go to her. The character is Linda. You need to go to Linda and say, you love her. You just, you need to do that. Mm -hmm. Even though Linda is marrying the character, Ted, who he was trying to keep away from and everything, this will all be made clear if you watch the movie or if you listen to the radio adaptation, which is coming up later on in this yeah. episode. A brief, brief pause for pronoun trouble. Ted. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Ted's character is Fred Astaire in the film. Uh, who is former dance partner, show partner for Bing, whose character name I don't remember. Uh, Jim. Jim. Okay, so Jim and Ted. They are rivals in relationships, and Linda Mason is the new interest of Jim's. Uh, Jim put her in blackface to hide her from Ted, who has a habit of stealing his girlfriends and dance partners. So at this point in the story... Uh, Ted has indeed swooped uh, Linda off her feet and, yes, and cartered her off to Hollywood. And uh, Jim is at home sulking. 
And the reason why we wanted to mark this particular point in the film as problematic with uh, racism and just casual bigotry, um, Mamie the housekeeper has two small children in this in the film. Um, are they present in the radio adaptation? No. Okay. So no, they really are not. But absent in the for film, radio. they are. Yeah, in the in the film, they're used as props pretty often. Uh, they show up and uh, are adorable small children that are treated like window dressing. Um, I would like to say that the reason why they're probably not present is the radio adaptation is geared more towards musical highlights from the film. Ah, okay. And that is the reason why. Okay. When you hear it, you will catch on to that pretty quick because Bing Crosby is mainly narrating the film or saying what's happening in it to mm -hmm. uh, the announcer of the uh, show. And But he's in fine form, and so is Dinah Shore, who plays Linda Mason in it. Okay. Sorry, please continue. No, that's okay. Um, what we, we had a little trouble with was that Mamie, the housekeeper, and her children are shuffled off to the kitchen to eat whatever Christmas or Thanksgiving dinner they have prepared. They don't share a table with Ted and his ginormous turkey and uh, all the all the fixings. I mean, she's she's knocked it out. Mashed potatoes, stuffing, corn, green beans, the whole works. Uh, turkey bigger than you know my torso for the film purpose. And it's how this character talks to Ted is a racial caricature. Um, she is also presented in the film and the radio adaptation as the magic black woman who can solve his problems for him, but he's still her employer. So she still has to talk to him, uh, very, uh, deferentially. And at one point in the film, she apologizes for getting out of place or talking above her station or, you know, some other horrific expression. Yeah. That, indicates that she is somehow socially less than he is and in the film context that's normal in 2021 i'm appalled so uh it just yeah. makes for a cringe worthy moment um it it doesn't quite make me want to throw furniture in the same way that the blackface number did but it is a jarring a jarring space in the film and in the radio presentation so that's that's why we wanted to talk about it prior to uh rebroadcasting yeah yeah definitely <clears throat> excuse me so a lot of these a lot of these older productions are excellent like the storytelling is fairly tight and consistent oh yes oh yes uh, absolutely the pacing is good uh in the yeah. film the dancing is superlative the trouble arises, you know, the costume is usually gorgeous. Uh, the trouble arises with just the casual misogyny, racism, or classism, or bigotry demonstrated by the characters that was seen as normal at the time, but that we have happily begun to deconstruct or grow out of as a society. Yeah. And yeah. Um, our, our personal, I guess, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, touchstone. Um, like a personal compass or what have you? A like bit, just... yeah. We, we took a, a page from the Looney Tunes archives. Yes, yes. In, in how we approach trigger warnings. Uh, in the beginning of the Looney Tunes, if you get the box sets, there is a placard that reads that these 
these cartoons show attitudes that were harmful and racist at the time, that they were wrong then and they're wrong now, but that to ignore that these existed would be more harmful than to actually see them and confront them head on. Yes. And that is where Michael and I sort of hang our hat in terms of dealing with trigger warnings and dealing with media that is mostly absolutely yeah mostly okay it's just a few a few bits and pieces here and there that are uh, have not weathered well yeah there there are some things that i have found that just they they haven't aged well uh i'm not going to go into them here uh we're going to do an episode uh hopefully in the next little bit concerning christmas movies we like and also mm -hmm. some that haven't aged very well so please be on the lookout for that a blistering condemnation of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> that, that is one that when you look at it, it, it hasn't aged well. No. Uh, but mm -hmm. getting back to Holiday Inn, I feel like that this particular, this particular film has got a lot of really good earmarks as far as staging of the songs and... Overall, a lot of the dance numbers, uh, everything is pretty good, but there is a couple of spots where you cringe a little bit and just kind of go, oh, yeah, this is 1942. Mm -hmm. uh, in the film, there is some footage about them being at war, also mm -hmm. during the Abraham. And so it's very Star-Spangled Banner Abraham. Yeah. Another like earmark that. of when the film was done. Don't they do a whole number in Revolutionary War Drag? I don't know if they do it in Revolutionary War Drag. I, there is... Like powdered wigs in the lot. I was thinking they they did they did do a powdered wig thing. I know mm -hmm. they do that. I'm trying to think of if the wartime thing... I don't... Looking at it, I'm trying to remember if that happened during the Abraham or if that happened during the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, could be. That either. might have happened during the 4th of July. Yeah. Patriotism being mm -hmm. what it was, especially yeah. during wartime, bringing everybody together. Yeah. yeah. You know. Different flavor of patriotism than what we've seen in the last several years, which is yeah, yeah, interesting definitely. to note as well. Definitely. Um, <clears throat> but, but it's just a different flavor of the film. Yeah. And the mm -hmm. times, because being 1942, wartime and everything yeah. versus... Yeah. Now you're looking at it, and it's almost it. The ideals, uh, everything is kind of time capsule esque. Very, yeah. And sadly, that has happened not just with a lot of Christmas and holiday films, uh -huh. but it's happened with a lot of different films in general that you look at and just go, "Oh yeah, that's right. This was done back in the fifties when right. they thought this way. Old this Hollywood. was." Yeah, this yeah. this was done back in the 30s. This was mm -hmm. done in the 60s. You know, whenever they were starting to actually change how they perceived how Hollywood perceived itself, mm -hmm. and that's that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Because in the late 60s, the film companies really started to change mm -hmm. how they did things, how they perceived things, a lot of young filmmakers coming in. Mm -hmm. And again, that's that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But again, <laughs> I'll go off on a tear and we'll be here all night. Yeah. We'll have three or four segments of this thing. That's true. <laughs> but with Holiday Inn, overall, 
it's still you you still have Bing Crosby singing, you have Fred Astaire dancing mm-hmm. during the Fourth uh, of July segment for that holiday. There's a great dance that Fred Astaire does of firecrackers. Oh yeah, oh, I forgot about that. It's yeah. it's a it's lot, lot of fun, fun. Mm-hmm. and I kept on looking at that, just going, Fred, you're crazy, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a good. The film is worth a watch. It definitely yeah. is. It's a it's a good. It's a good movie. Um, even even with the two rough spots, it's still it's still a good film. It's it's one that I have an easier time watching than uh, say it's a Wonderful Life. Um, so I you know I'll go Holiday Inn every time versus it's a Wonderful Life. Uh, yeah, or even if we have to do a film about angels, I would prefer to veer away from. It's mm-hmm. a Wonderful Life, and would like to put in a plug right now for The Bishop's Wife with Gary Grant. Gary Grant. Carrie. I'm sorry, I swallowed. You're okay. <laughs> Carrie Grant. All day, all night, Carrie Grant. That's all <laughs> my, let's see, how's that go? That's all I hear from my wife is Carrie Grant. What <laughs> can he do that I can't? All day, all night, Carrie Grant. <laughs> hey, Arch. <laughs> No, I highly recommend it. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, it's 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 also got David Niven in it, mm-hmm. and you know that's. I try to veer away from a lot of religious and various different taboo or things that are going to upset people with this particular show, just because I feel like I do not want to. I don't, I don't want to isolate anyone. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to discriminate against someone. So I, I don't really want to do anything that is too close to someone's religion. Everybody is allowed to have whatever faith they enjoy. Mm -hmm. And if that helps you sleep at night, that's fantastic. That's great. Mm -hmm. I have nothing against anybody's religion, their views, their preferences. But at the same time, I also don't think that I want to do anything that's going to marginalize anybody mm-hmm. be it religion uh sexism orientation yeah gender preference yeah age, whatever your your yeah. ethnic background whatever we tend to view christmas as a little more secular in our media choices here uh so a celebration of a winter holiday that is positive and family inclusive and with a nod to the fact that Christmas is also a religious celebration for many people, uh, we believe there is room for both secular and religious celebrations. Uh, though we do, we do lean to the t- side of secularism in our media choices, despite plugging films with angels in them. Yeah, but it's Cary yeah. Grant. <laughs> that's that's part of the reason, and the reason why I watched It's a Wonderful Life for so long was the performance that Jimmy yeah. Stewart gave in it. Very, you know, very well done. A lot of films, and this will probably be another episode in which, do you watch the films because of the story or do you watch them because of the person in it mm. and you're, you're a fan of that particular actor or actress's mm-hmm. work? Uh, I bring up a lot of these things just as part of our disclaimer that we do not want to discriminate against anybody and that is the reason for our disclaimer uh, before airing this, because there is a point whenever in the radio show he is talking about, he's putting the makeup, Jim is putting the makeup on 
Linda for the blackface on the radio. And originally I thought, well, you can't see blackface on the radio, obviously, but you hear him talking about it and he's putting the blackface on her and everything and talks about whenever he's a longtime black boot. And so because of that and (laughs) because of the other scene concerning his housekeeper, I really felt and I had this opinion shared by my wife, Heather, that (laughs) this needed to be addressed and full disclaimer on for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are we going to be at some point discussing another Bing Crosby film, um, White Christmas? Uh, We could, we probably are going to be discussing that. We got about 10 minutes. Yeah, we're probably going to be discussing that with the other Christmas movies as well. Gotcha. Okay. That's probably okay. going to be in there because it's White Christmas. Yeah. If it wasn't for Holiday Inn, you probably wouldn't have White Christmas, but we'll get into that mm-hmm. yeah. and the casting mm-hmm. and everything for that next episode. Partly, um, Michael was the one who introduced me to both of these films. I had not grown up seeing either one of them. Uh, so my first encounter with them was maybe five or six years ago uh, when he was doing his usual round of uh, all the Christmas films prior to Christmas day. And it was a little shocking. Um, I, I, I just remember feeling very nonplussed that this was in the middle of the film. And uh, I think that's helped me see it um, and, and just pick out the problematic areas because I'm seeing it as a modern audience. I, I didn't grow up with it. I don't, I don't ignore it. Um, it's a wonderful life. I think I have a tendency to ignore a lot of the problematic areas because I grew up with that film. Yeah. And it was never put into a, a problematic light when I was watching it in the late seventies and early eighties, because it was just seen as normal. So I think that is interesting, just I think when it, you see film. So. Yeah. Oh, no, it's okay. I didn't mean to interrupt. I think a lot of what has happened is mm-hmm. is that because it gets the moniker of classic film, right? a lot more, um, a lot more allowances mm-hmm. are made. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, sometimes it's, it's, it's good to have someone else who's not seen it come in and just go, wait a minute here. What's, uh-huh. what's all this? Yeah. Wait a minute. This, yeah. this is. And it's built into the plot of the film. Cause we, yeah. we were talking about that. Could you, could you cut out on radio the part where they're in blackface and you, you could, you could rewrite the film to be, she's in disguise. She's in like a cumbersome costume or yeah, she's in, she's in something. But I mean, the song Abraham absolutely needs to be burned in a fire. And um, the relationship between Ted or Jim and Jim and the housekeeper needs to be completely rewritten. Uh, if you're going to have a sassy housekeeper, then I'd want him to have a sassy housekeeper that never apologizes for telling him that he's an idiot and he needs to go yeah. and, and actually declare his feelings for this woman instead of sitting on his butt sulking. Yeah. So... Now, the yeah. actress does a bang up job in the film. I don't I don't know the actress's name. Uh, Louise uh Beavers, I think. 
okay. is the one that plays my because I was looking at just a minute. Let me double check that. Uh, yeah, great just, actress. Does yeah. a really good job. Uh, she she, you know, I hope she got paid a lot for it. Let me see here. <clears throat> Louise Beavers. Yes, uh -huh. that was who Mamie was. Well done, you. You should look up other roles that she's played. Give her yeah. Give her her due. Yeah, because that just doesn't happen that much no. with African actors, mm -hmm. African American, or just simply black actors. Mm -hmm. I hate just saying black actors, but you know it's. I, I think it's come back into not being an an objectionable term. I again. I I would hope so, but For I a while it was. But if I'm talking so, about Samuel L. Jackson or Lawrence Fishburne or uh -huh. any of the rest of them, I'd prefer to just refer to them as actors. Right. Same with Denzel Washington right. or any number of the young actors that I've seen in this film mm -hmm. or that film or this TV show or that TV show. Right. That's just. They're good actors. Yeah, they're they're amazing actors. Yeah. We talk about Skip Martin having a wonderful voice. We don't talk about him being a little person. That's not the first quality. Yeah. About him that I think about, or we talk about um, who's not a really good actor. Many of them. Yeah. Many, <laughs> many of them. I had somebody oh, yeah, many that of completely them. left my head. Uh, oh, Gabriel Iglesias. Excellent comedian. Yeah. But he's not first a Mexican comedian. He's an excellent comedian. Yeah. So I think that's, that's where we are. And I agree with him because in one of his uh, things that I agree on, he talks about how he's always a Latino comedian mm -hmm. and you never hear Jewish comedian, Jerry Seinfeld. Right. It's always just Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. There's, well, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of Jerry Seinfeld's comedy. So. I'm, I'm not either, there you go. but <laughs> you know, he's not Jewish comedian, Jerry Seinfeld. He's just Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. So happy holidays with Bing Crosby for No, uh, Bing Crosby on the radio and Diana Shore. Diana Shore. Diana Shore. Yep. Yep. That is happy holidays because it, they're all spending it at Holiday Inn. So here we go with Bing Crosby and Diana Shore in the CBS Screen Guild Theater's adaptation of Holiday Inn as it aired January 11th, 1943. <laughs> presents the Screen Guild Players. The Screen Guild play tonight, Holiday Inn. The starring players, this is Bing Crosby. And this is Diana Shore. Tonight, Lady Esther presents the Screen Guild players in musical highlights from Paramount Pictures' tuneful film, Holiday Inn, starring Bing Crosby as Jim Hardy and Diana Shore as Linda Mason. Happy Holidays! Happy Holidays! 
This is the story of Jim Hardy, a man with an idea. Oh, pardon me, Brother Bradley. A man with three ideas. Three? Yep. The first one came to me when Lila Dixon and Ted Hanover and myself, we were doing a song and dance act in a New York nightclub. Uh-huh. I had an idea that I would marry Lila, quit show business, and settle down on a farm in Connecticut. Well, sounds great. How'd the idea work out? Didn't work. Just when I felt sorry for Ted because Lila was marrying me and we'd leave him looking for two new partners, Ted gave Lila a quick fireside chat. Mm-hmm. He sold her on staying in the act with him, and when I walked out to go to the farm, I walked out alone. I've had better ideas, I think. Ideas. Well, uh, tell me, Jim, what was the next idea? Holiday Inn. See, it didn't take me too long to learn that a farm was no place for a lazy boy. So I decided to change the farmhouse into a roadside nightclub, open on holidays only and featuring shows built around each particular holiday. I even had a show planned for uh, Hitler's funeral. Huh? Yeah. Uh, what made you think Hitler would be buried on a holiday? Oh, brother, any day he's buried will be a holiday. <laughs> I wrote special songs for all the holidays, and then I began looking for some talent. I see. I was planning to open on Christmas Eve, but the game was called off on account of no one showing up. Not even performers. Boy, I was really feeling, feeling sorry for myself on Christmas Day. And then Santa Claus brought me Linda Mason. And when I saw Linda, well, I began to get another idea. See, I can still remember the first day when, when she came up to the farm and she asked me for a job. Could you use me in your show, Mr. Hardy? Well, I don't know. I might find a spot for you somewhere. What can you do? Oh, I'd dance a little and sing. I couldn't guarantee any salary at first. Right now, I've got the ledger in an iron lung. Oh, I don't care if you pay me off in eggs. Pay off in eggs? Lady, you've either got me mixed up with Bob Hope or some millionaire. <laughs> Please give me a chance. Well, well, see what you can do here. Uh... You know, this uh, sort of gives me a chance to keep a little promise I made to myself. I swore I was going to sing this song here at the inn tonight. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen Sleigh bells in the snow I'm dreaming of a quiet Christmas With every Christmas card I write May your day be merry and may all your Christmas be wise. Go ahead, I'll pitch you the word. I'm of a white Christmas. Just like the ones I used to know. Just like the ones I used to know. Where the treetops glisten. Where the treetops glisten. 
children listen. Children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. May your days be merry and a lot, Mr. Hardy. I want to tell you, though, there's a, there's a string tied to it. Oh, I was afraid it was too good to be true. Yep. From now on, you've got to start calling me Jim. Well, between this here and that there, Brother B, I want to tell you, Linda and I managed to talk enough musicians and entertainers into taking a chance with us to... Let us open Holiday Inn on New Year's Eve. Mm. Ah, the joint was packed. I was standing in the corner, pounding myself on the back for having hit the jackpot, when the lights went off again all over the world. Just to give everything a nice, ironic touch, Linda was singing Happy Holiday when trouble staggered in. Happy Holiday! Happy Holiday! While the merry bells keep ringing, may your every wish come true. Happy holidays, happy holidays. May the calendar keep ringing happy holidays to you. If you're burdened down with trouble, if your nerves are wearing thin, pack your load down the road and come to Holiday Inn. If the traffic noise affects you, like a squeaky violin, kick your cares down the stairs. Come on to Holiday Inn. If you can't find someone who will set your heart a take your car and motor to the home of Boy Meets Girl. If you're laid up with a breakdown, throw away your vitamins. Don't get worse. Just get your hold of your nurse and come to Holiday Inn. Happy holidays, happy holidays, may the calendar keep ringing, happy holidays to you. Oh, I want to tell you, Brother B, that gal could really sing the socks off. Yes, indeed. Well, no one's going to argue with you about that, Jim, but, uh, well, if I'm not being too obtrusive, let's get back to the trouble you said staggered into Holiday Inn. Oh, yes, the trouble. Yes, the trouble. The trouble. Well, it was my former partner and throat cutter, Dick Ted Hanover. Uh -huh. <laughs> Ted staggered in with a compound alcoholic fracture. <laughs> this boy was loaded. There was nothing wrong with his propensity for grabbing my girls. Walked right over to Linda and began dancing with her, and just watching them dance together, I had a hunch 
that my days with Linda were numbered. The next morning, though, when I went into the room where I had put Ted to sort of sleep it off, I began to think I had a chance to, uh... Good morning, Ted. Got a little head, huh? Oh. Say, where... Where am I? You're in Holiday Inn. Well, how did I get here? Who brought me? Haven't you heard about the stork? <laughs> this is no time for your alleged comedy. Lila left me. What? Yeah, I got a wire from her at the theater telling me she was quitting me. Going to marry some Texas millionaire or something. Uh-oh. Uh, then I had a drink. A drink? Brother, you couldn't hit the floor with a handful of hominy. <laughs> Say, uh, I seem to remember dancing with some girl after I got here last night. Girl? Girl? Yeah, yeah. I'm beginning to remember a few things. Gee, she was a perfect partner for me. Now that Lila's left me, I have to get a new partner. And that girl, she's just the girl for me. Oh, no, Ted. I think you're, you're much better off doing a single. You're huh? a born soloist, you know, old boy. Oh, no, 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 Jim. No, sir. I've got to get that girl for a partner. Gee, if I could only remember what she looked like. You don't remember? No, no. I Say, wait a minute. You saw her. Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, describe her. Oh, well, uh, I wasn't watching very closely, you know. She was... Uh... Oh, I would say she was a medium, medium-built sort of a girl with a medium face. She had a, she had a nice evening gown on with a, with a sort of a Balmacan back. You're a great help, you are. Thanks a lot. Oh, it's really nothing at all. Happy to do it for you. Well, just the same, I got a hunch. I'm going to find that girl, and believe me, she's worth waiting for. Hmm, well, where are you going to find her? Uh, right here. I have a hunch she'll be back here for the next holiday. How do you like that for a guy moving in on me, Brother B? Well, Jim, couldn't you have told him she was your girl and asked him to keep away from her? Oh, you can't be that naive. True, old boy. Don't you remember Lila? Ted made a habit of stealing my girls away from Mm. me. My only chance to hang on to Linda was to keep her out of Ted's sight until I had enough cabbage in the bank to ask her to marry me. And for the next holiday, Lincoln's birthday, I decided that Linda and I, we're going to work in blackface (laughs) to keep Ted from discovering her. Well, she wasn't too happy either when I... Broke the idea to her about it. Oh, Jim, I look terrible in that stuff. No, you won't. I don't even know how to put it on. I'll put it on for you. I'm an old boot black, you know. <laughs> well, let's see. Here we go now. Oh, for a month and a half I've been dreaming about how pretty I was going to look tonight. Well, you'll have plenty of time to be pretty. Say, you know, I was just going to ask you if you'd like to be in the rest of the shows out here. You were? Will you? Will I? I just wish I didn't have to work in that florist shop all the other days in the year to make these few possible. Well, maybe a little later on when we start doing better, we... Well, you can stay out here all the time. Did you hear what you just said? I just caught the last part of it. (laughs) Was it a proposal? Well, it sure will be when I get a few bucks in the bank. Gosh, you're a strange duck. You don't even give me a chance to say darling and throw my arms around you. Well, you'd better wait until you see my bank book. Well, I guess I'm sort of engaged. Yes, and I guess we'd better sort of start the show, too. Come on, we can't just uh, sing here in the dressing room. On a February morn, a tiny baby boy was born. Abraham, Abraham. Hey, 
raised in the Hall of Fame, a most respected gem. And that is why we celebrate this blessed February day. second half of our musical highlight from Holiday Inn. But first, a word from our hostess, Lady Esther. I've received so many letters lately from women living in Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Chicago, and other cities where there are numerous defense plants and where the air is filled with smoke and flying dust. They tell me what a problem it is to keep their skin really clean these days. And many of them tell me they began to notice their skin getting dull and muddy looking. They began to notice blemishes here and there. But what a difference, they tell me, since they began using Lady Esther for-purpose face cream. Many of them tell me their skin never looked cleaner and fresher, never looked smoother. Now, I wish I could read you these hundreds of enthusiastic letters, because they prove that Lady Esther for-purpose face cream does far more for your skin than just an ordinary cleansing cream. But I want to do more than that. I want to send you a generous tube of Lady Esther for-purpose face cream free so that you can try it on your own skin and see the thrilling results for yourself. After all, what better proof can there be than to see a thing with your own eyes? If your skin is taking a lot of extra punishment these days, especially if it's being exposed more than usual and getting a little dry and rough, a little muddy-looking, you'll want to take advantage of my offer. I'll send you enough cream for a whole week's trial, and you can see for yourself how Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream not only thoroughly cleans your skin, but softens it, helps nature refine the pores, and even leaves a smooth, flattering base for powder. Just send me your name and address on the back of a penny postcard. By return mail, you'll receive your gift tube of Lady Esther Four Purpose Face Cream and the nine different shades of Lady Esther Face Powder. All the address you need is Lady Esther, Chicago. Now we raise the curtain again on Holiday Inn, starring Dinah Shore as Linda Mason and Bing Crosby as Jim Hardy. Uh, go on to the story of Holiday Inn, Jim. Tell me, uh, did the blackface disguise keep Ted from discovering Linda? Yeah, but uh, he came back like gangbusters. He promised <laughs> to come uh, two days later for Valentine's Day, and even I couldn't figure out a legitimate excuse for, for putting Linda in blackface on Valentine's uh -huh. Day. So 
I decided to take Cupid right by the bowstrings and set myself solid with Linda. Now, I had a special song all whipped up for her when she came back for rehearsal. I called it, uh, Be Careful, It's My Heart. I wasn't kidding either. Be careful, it's my heart. It's not my watch you're holding, it's my heart. It's not the note I sent you that you quickly burned. It's not the book I lent you that you never returned. Remember, it's my heart. The heart with which so willingly I part. It's yours to take, to keep or break. But please, before you start, be careful. It's my heart. Jim, from where I'm standing, that certainly should have set you in pretty solid with Linda. Well, I thought it was pretty beamy, you know, nice low key and everything, but yeah. nothing happened. While I was singing, <laughs> Ted finally found Linda, and he moved right in. Back in. Oh, he moved in with a crash. He set himself up in business at Holiday Inn, dancing with uh, Linda, you know, in the holiday shows, yeah. and dividing the rest of his time between making love to her and trying to sell her on leaving me in Holiday Inn to head for the big time as his dancing partner. You know, mm. I managed to... Come out of my corner punch, you know. I was swinging, swinging right from China. And on Easter Sunday, I was sure I had Ted on the run when Linda joined me in the, the big Easter parade. In your Easter bonnet With all the frills upon it You'll be the grandest lady In the Easter parade In the Easter On the avenue The photographers will snap her And you'll find that you're In the road Jim, that, huh? that really should have eliminated Hanover, huh? Well, I thought he'd take a fast count, but Ted promoted a couple of Hollywood talent scouts to come out to the inn. 
a couple of boys from Hollywood and signed Linda and himself up. Uh, they got a picture contract, yep. huh? That's what they did in a little epic titled Holiday Inn. Now, wait. You mean they stole your idea and made it into a picture? Oh, no. When Ted stole my girl, I gave him the idea for the picture. And that was the end of everything, huh? Practically. I closed up Holiday Inn after Ted and Linda left, and I just sat around feeling sorry for myself. And on Thanksgiving Day, I read in the gossip columns that they were going to be married as soon as they finished the picture. Well, then I was really ready for the river. And then Mamie, my housekeeper, she took me in hand and gave me sort of a chalk talk on chickadees and their chicaneries. Closing up the end and sitting around like a jellyfish. Just cause a slicker stole your gal and you ain't got fight enough to get her back. I tried to keep her here, Mamie. What kind of keeping was that? Nothing but tricks. If you hadn't made Miss Linda mad, hiring that driver to keep her away from the end the night them Hollywood scouts was here, and then acting like she couldn't be trusted to stay with you in the face of temptation, she'd still be here. Why, right now, if you went to Hollywood and told Miss Linda how much you love her and misses her, that is, if you told her the way a lady likes to hear it, huh, I'll bet you she'd be the quickest ex-movie star that ever ex. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just what do you have in mind? Grab yourself a handful of train and get on out to Hollywood. Well, and then what? See, after all, I can't just walk up to a girl I'm in love with and I haven't seen her in several months and say, uh, Dr. Livingston, I presume, or something. Well, now, see here, Mr. Jim. I can tell you to get out to Hollywood. And I can also advise you to take Miss Lynn in your arms and crush her. But after that, Mr. Jim, you got to put the pressure on yourself. Well, did you take Mamie's advice, Jim? Well, I had nothing to lose, Brad. I, I walked onto the lot where they were making the movie version of Holiday Inn. Just as they were about to shoot the last scene of the picture. Mm. I want to tell you, it gave me a, something of a start. Because that movie set looked exactly like my Connecticut farmhouse. The artificial snow coming down from above, it really took me back to that Christmas day when Linda showed up at Holiday Inn looking for a job. And then Linda began singing White Christmas, and well, I mustered up enough nerve to walk right into the scene. And when it was all over, Ted Hanover was looking for a new partner, and Linda and I were off to see a man about a license.
Thank you, Bing Crosby and Diana Shore, for your wonderful singing of the musical highlights from Paramount Pictures' Holiday Inn. It was a real musical treat, one that we of the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will long, long remember. Well, it's nice to hear you say that, Truman, but I know somebody who'll remember the program longer than anyone. Really, Diana? friend of yours? Well, in a way, her name's Diana Shore. I've always wanted to sing with Bing the King. Well, that makes it a standoff then, Diana, because Crosby has always wanted to sing with Diana the Dixie Diva. Oh, <laughs> Well, we couldn't have found a better place to do it, Bing, right on this program for the benefit of the Motion Picture Relief Fund. Anything you'd like to add, sir? Well, I was going to say something about uh, next week's program, but I guess it can wait, Dinah. All right. I'd like to ask you all to listen to an interesting free offer from one of our best-known beauty authorities, Lady Esther. Thank you, Miss Shore. Perhaps many of you listening to me tonight have promised yourself at one time or another to try Lady Esther for purpose face cream. Perhaps you wanted to see for yourself if it really does four important things for your skin. But you never actually got around to trying it. Well, here's your chance to try it without buying it. Here's all I ask you to do. Just send your name and address on the back of a penny postcard. As soon as that postcard arrives here, I'll see that a generous tube of my four-purpose face cream, also my nine exciting shades of Lady Esther face powder, are put into the mail and start on their journey to you. Now, there will be enough Lady Esther four-purpose face cream for at least a week's trial. And during that period, I'd like you to watch your skin and see how my cream does these four things. One, how it thoroughly cleans your skin. Two, how it softens your skin and relieves dryness. Three, how it helps nature refine the pores. And four, how it leaves a perfect base for powder. You see, if you really want to try my four-purpose face cream, here's your chance. Write your postcard tonight or first thing tomorrow, and just address it to Lady Esther, Chicago. I'm sorry, but this offer is for residents of the United States only. Wartime restrictions prevent me from extending the offer to residents of Canada. And now, here is Bing Crosby. Your Uncle Sam has asked me to say something tonight to every young woman listening to our program. Your uncle has an urgent and vital need for thousands of student nurses to keep America fighting and working. To win this war, we must keep well, and it's up to you to keep us that way. All you healthy girls between 18 and 35 who are citizens and high school graduates, please write immediately to Student Nurses, Box 88, New York City. Now about next week's Lady Esther program, it's a, it's a rib-tickling comedy about a ham actor who got mixed up with the Nazis. It's called To Be or Not To Be, and it stars Sig Ruman, John Hall, and Mr. and Mrs. William Powell. Next week, then, Mr. and Mrs. William Powell, John Hall, and Sig Ruman in To Be or Not To Be, a laugh a minute for 30 minutes. Bing Crosby of the Kraft Music Hall is soon to be seen in Paramount's all-star production, Star Spangled Rhythm. Diana Shore will soon be seen in Thank Your Lucky Stars, and can now be heard on the Eddie Cantor and her own programs. Music on tonight's show was arranged and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Our radio adaptation was for Bill Hampton. The Screen Guild players are presented every Monday night by a courtesy of Lady Esther. This is Truman Bradley speaking for Lady Esther, saying thank you and good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.
That's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you stopping by and listening in, and we hope you continue to do so. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more from us, we're available on Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Copy RSS. We hope to bring you another episode here soon in the next couple of days concerning Christmas films. So until next time, take care. I'm Michael Perry. I'm Heather Perry. And this has been Couch and Coffee Table. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. (laughs) Bye.